It could be a little bit overwhelming to think about having to do good things God has planned for us, couldn't it? I mean, God wants me to do something. I hope I'm able. Whoa. In part two of Identity in Crisis or in Christ, we're going to see exactly how we can be prepared as we do these good works. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Throughout my college years, I worked in the summers and on breaks for a company called Kelly Services. According to their website, they're a workforce management solution offering staffing services to top companies across a variety of industries. So basically, if a company had somebody go on vacation and they couldn't cover for them within the company themselves, they would call Kelly Services and would ask, can you send somebody else out here who can fill in typing or answering phones or welding or whatever. I didn't do the welding, but they do welding too. Anyway, that's what they would do. So the companies will call Kelly Services and then Kelly Services would know through our application process how fast we could type, how well we could alphabetize and whether or not we had experience in the word processing system the business was using or whatever. They'd sometimes call us the day of an assignment or sometimes up to a week in advance or whatever they needed. What they'd do is they'd call and they'd give us the name of the company and an address, but rarely could really tell us what we'd be doing. It was kind of nerve-wracking. My first problem was always, I wondered if I'd be able to find the business on time. I have a horrible sense of direction, like horrible. And this was way pre-GPS days. Even now, if I have to drive someplace and I can't be on Google Maps turn by turn, I just freak out. I was driving someplace once and I was trying to figure out where it was and I was looking at my little blue arrow that was representing me and for some reason I got stuck in some warp that was like the true north setting. Anyway, it was totally messing with my mind because I was driving forward, which in my head, the direction I'm going, it's always north. So I'm driving forward thinking I'm going north and I look at my little arrow and my arrow's going to the right. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then I'm like, am I supposed to go right? Why is it doing that? And it freaked me out. Then I got up to the spot where I had to make a turn. It was a four-way. I could not figure it out. And if you spun my phone around, it just kept spinning around. So I ended up pulling off to the shoulder, not even kidding getting out of my car, setting the phone on the ground, and then I stood as though I was the blue arrow. And then I looked at where I was supposed to go, could figure out the four-way stop and say, okay, left, I'm supposed to go left, I'm supposed to go left. I did it that twice on my way um, to this thing. Anyway, clearly there was a problem. So I'd be panicked thinking, oh man, I hope I'm gonna be able to even show up at the right time at this company I'm supposed to go to. So that was hurdle one. The next challenge would be presented by whoever was training me for that day. I would walk in and I would look, first of all, it's like you have to figure out which door it is, which company it is, you know, depending on if it was in a suite or whatever. So you walk in and then you have to find the person who is in charge to train you. I walked into one business once and somebody yelled out, the hire a dummies here, which didn't make me feel super comfortable. Had I known though, that was the most comfortable I would have felt the whole week at this place because this was around the 4th of July. It was like a hardware distribution company and we had like cement floors by we, I mean they, it's like this was not my company. They had cement floors 
and I would be sitting at my desk and I was typing up orders and whatever. And people would walk by with little firecrackers and throw them on the floor at my feet to try to see if I would jump. Anyway, that was a long week, but they weren't mostly like that. But you'd walk in. And one time I walked in, I remember this one place, it had this huge phone system with hundreds of lines arranged in rows. The trainer was telling me, okay, if this row blinks, calls coming in, say this. All right, now if this row blinks and the lines coming in, say that. All right, this row here, never answer this row. This is not even our row. And then this last row, if this blinks, actually, I'm not sure. I'll send somebody over and they can tell you about that one. And then they left. Sure enough, the first blink happened. My first call was coming in. And as you can probably guess, it came in on the one that says, I'm not sure what to do about this one. So I pick up the phone and I say, hello. The person said, who am I speaking to? I was like, Kirsten. They said, not your name. I'm just trying to see if I've gotten a hold of the right company. I said, I am so, so sorry, sir. I don't know who you're calling. I'm just answering a bunch of phones today. And you came in the row of nobody really knows. I'm like, oh, click. I'm like, oh, shoot. That was not right. Anyway, I was always kind of wondering, you know, am I going to be able to figure out what I'm going to do? And then one day I got paired with a long-term position with Land Lakes, which was great because I knew where to drive every day. I knew how long it would take me to get there. I knew where to park. I knew how to answer the phone. Usually <laughs> human resources had told us, okay, if your boss isn't in the office, this is what you say in quotes. They would have like this little phrase, Mike has stepped away from his desk right now. Can I please take a message? Don't ever say, Mike isn't here right now. Don't ever say Mike's out of the office today or whatever. I remember having kind of a hard time grabbing a hold of the like nuanced differences in those sentences. So I was having a hard time to remember the right one. Once the phone rang, I answered and I said, I am so sorry, but Mike just stepped out of his desk. Could I take a message, please? When the caller started laughing, I'm thinking, what did I just say? Then I heard him say, oh, I'd love to see that. That sounds highly unlikely. Ha <laughs> ha. And I'm like, oh man, shoot. I don't mean that. I didn't mean his desk. No, he isn't even here. I mean, I oh, I don't have any idea where he is. Ugh. Right then, my, my supervisor walked by, gave me a horrible look, and did not laugh nearly as hard as the caller was laughing. Another time, I locked the only set of keys for the file cabinet in the file cabinet, and we ended up having to call locksmith, which was a valuable lesson to learn. I had already learned a different lesson about file cabinets at my previous job. I learned don't ever pull out the top two heavy drawers at the same time. The file cabinet came crashing down, spilling files everywhere. Lucky for them, I scored really high on alphabetizing. Back to these good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We might be overwhelmed thinking, what? He's calling us into service? He has things he wants us to do? I wonder if I'm going to be able to do it. We might be overwhelmed to the point of giving up or freezing in our tracks if we didn't know for sure we're going to be well prepared. I want to read Ephesians 2.10 and then 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. I love the way these scriptures connect. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the follower of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Bam, that's it. How can we be equipped? Isn't that awesome? Through scripture. Did you hear it? I'll read it again. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the follower of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're created by God as a masterpiece, 
It's in his word that he explains who we are. It's in his word where he tells us what he has planned for us to do. And it's in his word, he equips us for it. Scripture is useful for teaching. Obviously, how else do we learn that gossip separates close friends or that we're to forgive others or that God has plans for us that are good, to prosper us, not to harm us? God's word teaches us. Scripture is also useful for rebuking. It's like saying, stop, nope, don't do that. And that makes sense. We'll be prepared to do the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do when we stop doing the stuff that isn't right. For example, scripture tells us don't covet, don't murder, don't hate, don't speak unkind words to and about others. That makes sense. God's word rebukes us. Scripture is also useful for correcting, which is different than rebuking. It isn't stop, go the other direction. It's more of like a a course correction, kind of like the way a rudder directs a boat. I learned about this kind of the hard way. I took a sailing course at camp. They had just gotten a few new sunfish sailboats. When we were learning to sail, our instructor that week told us, please be careful with these new boats. He showed us an old boat centerboard. The centerboard was about two and a half feet high or something, and it fit into a slot right in the middle of the boat. The old boat centerboard was all chewed up. He held it up. He said, this is because previous campers forgot to take it out as the boat was getting closer and closer to shore and the rocks ate it up. It was pretty intense. In retrospect, I have a feeling that board he showed us had experienced the rocks multiple times over and again, against years and years and years of use. But as a seventh grader, I assumed, oh man, it was a one-time mistake by someone probably exactly like me. At the end of the week, Friday, we got to do our solo sale, which we were working up for all week. And it actually was a two-person sale, which whatever. Anyway, I was ready. No one was going to end up holding up my centerboard as a bad example. We were paired up, and I got to sail with my friend, which was awesome. My friend and I, we set sail across the lake. When we got out about halfway, the whistle blew, and we turned around to start heading back. (laughs) Actually, that's kind of misleading. That makes it sound like we just kind of whooshed around, you know, and, and ducked as the boom went over. No, we struggled for a long time to get ourselves to finally turn around. But eventually, we did turn around. And we started heading back. My friend was steering. She had the rudder in her hand. She was sitting there going back and forth and she could control our direction. She could also control the fullness of our sail. You might be wondering what I was doing if she was steering and doing this. I was sitting in the boat and I had to duck when the boom crossed over. That was it. So basically it was pretty important. Anyway, we were sailing at a pretty decent clip toward the shore. We seemed to be going faster and faster. Our sail was full. And I started to see the shore coming up quickly. And it's almost like my week of lessons all sailed past my eyes in one fell swoop and rewind. I saw us getting into our boat that day. I saw us earlier pairing up for the sail. I saw us picking partners. I saw us the day before taking our vocabulary test, boom, jib, tacking, mainsail, rudder, whatever. And then the day before I saw the instructor holding up that chewed up centerboard. I'm like, no. And I'm looking and I see the fast approaching shore again. And I thought, not on my watch, baby. And I yanked that thing out so fast. What I didn't realize was that that was what was steadying us in the water. I don't know how I missed that part of the lesson. It was making the steering possible for my friend and we lost control. She started yelling, what are you doing? And our boat started skipping across the water. Our instructor, who was like an 18-year-old kid with the responsibility of five new boats, like resting heavily upon his narrow shoulders, he was panicked. And he started yelling, what are you doing? And I had no idea how to answer him because I truly didn't know. I didn't have to waste too much more time thinking about it, though, because just as quickly as the skimming across the water started, it stopped. And we stopped. 
I remember hearing lifeguard whistles. I remember seeing kids scrambling to the shore. And I remember our sunfish sailboat smashing into the dock. And as I watched the horrified look on our instructor as he ran toward our smashed boat, I remembered. And I grabbed that centerboard and I held it over my head like a trophy because there was not a nick on it. Why am I telling this story? God's word is both rudder and centerboard. It keeps us stable and it corrects our direction when we get off course. Finally, Scripture is useful for training us in righteousness. When do we train? If you're training for like a marathon or a meet or like a speed um, eating, uh, <laughs> speed eating, well, yeah, I guess I was going to say speed skating, but or a speed eating contest, what do you do when you train? You do what you want to do eventually in small portions. You do it over and over and over again until you do it well, and you continue to add. And Scripture is like that. It trains us in what we want to do eventually, which is live a life that looks like Christ. And it teaches us how to do it. And we learn and we do the small things again and again, and we continue to learn. Let's look at Psalm 19, 7 to 11, because that really talks about what the Word of God does. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure. They're altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much, pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. What do we see here? We see God's word reviving our soul. Do you ever feel downcast? Do you ever feel so depleted? We certainly can't do the things that God has prepared for us to do with a depleted soul. So how will we be prepared? How will we be equipped? Through God's word. His word does that. We read truth. We bathe in truth. We think about truth. And our soul is revived. What else? It makes the simple wise. That's pretty self-explanatory. And God's word tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, remember, ask. And he'll give it to us generously, more than we need, and without reproach. Never saying you should know that by now. God's word also gives joy to our heart. It gives us understanding when we need it. It says God's word is more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It rewards us and warns us. It guides and directs us. That's what God's word does. God's word equips us. It equips you for the good works God has prepared in advance for you to do. What are those works for you? I don't know. I don't even know what they are for me either, but this is what I do know. I do know that as we all spend time in God's word, reading it and doing it, we will be prepared for whatever they're going to be. And we will each continue to live out the good story he has prepared and imagined for each one of us. 